All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Blues Others podcast. It's not just another episode, it's the 100th episode, and it is the first episode we're going to have the score featured as one of the full-time members of the podcast with us. So excited to have him joining. Thank thank you for joining as well. Um, And we're just going to get right into it. It seems like the new hire for Chelsea is Maurizio Pochettino. Um, It should be announced very soon officially. And, you know, there's been a lot written about him, how this might work. There's been quite a bit of press talk about it. And it is an exciting time considering where he comes from, sort of his pedigree. And I think we'll get into this a lot more here later in the episode. But it's especially interesting what he did with the Spurs team, given the squad dynamics and how there's a lot of parallels between that at Spurs uh, and, and during his highly successful run. And, you know, not just his, but also theirs. And now compared to what he's going to be inheriting with this Chelsea squad and maybe where some of our next steps are. But, um, yeah, just get us started off, you know, going to introduce score here, let him start getting some of his thoughts in. And, yeah, thanks a lot for joining us and glad to have you part of it. What do you what do you make about Pochettino coming in? Well, first, thank you for letting me part of this team. Uh, this is a great podcast uh, and I've loved being a guest on it uh, for the last couple of times I've been on. And so to be part of the team is really uh, exciting. And I'm grateful to be here. So um, thank you for inviting me. Uh, but in terms of Pochettino, I, I'm re- I'm genuinely optimistic. Uh, very excited about Pochettino joining Chelsea. In hindsight, although he, like, he wasn't my number one choice a few, a few months ago, he, I think having seen what's happened with other candidates and some of their behaviour like since it's all come out, uh, I'm actually quite glad we've got Maurizio Pochettino in charge of our club. I think there's a lot of good things that he can bring. I think in terms of where we are as a club, he's a really good fit for what where we are. Um, as a man manager, as a team builder, as a guy that creates an identity, that can create a family atmosphere at a club, um, that can bring stability and calm but yet also has authority and experience and a proven track record uh, and a good reputation uh, and is good at developing young talent. And we have a lot of young talent. And uh, so I think he's a really good fit. I think he is a, I think he will play academy players as well. He won't be like, he's shown in his, he showed at Spurs that he's willing to play academy talent above established talent if they're not, if they're not, you know, if you're not, and if you're not up to up to his philosophy, if you're not willing to to follow his instructions, then you're out. You know, he that's what he did at Spurs. He literally excluded first senior members of the squad from first team training because they weren't willing to subscribe to what he wanted to do, and he just focused on the players that he wanted there for the long term. And we need someone like that. Uh, so, uh, and 
I think he will be backed and that the owners will back him and give him time. I think from what of the reports that I've read, they're all looking at a long-term partnership, even though it won't be a it won't be, it'll be a three-year contract, I think, but they're looking beyond that, I think. Um so I think he's a really good fit for Chelsea and like he's I mean, we've had so many kind of super coaches, you know, the kind of tactical geniuses, all these, like, and I'm not saying that that's bad because it's not bad, but like where Chelsea are now, we just need someone who can bring stability and build a squad and develop, develop players, build a culture, build a mentality, build a spirit and identity, like lay foundations. And that's what Chelsea need now. And yeah, so I think Mauricio Pochettino is the right choice, and I think he's going to do a really good job. I think if they back him, if they give him the, the squad that he wants, the players that he wants, if they give him time, he will he will be successful at Chelsea because Chelsea have a bigger budget than than Spurs had. Managers get backed more at Chelsea than Spurs, and so he'll be able to do what he wasn't able to do at Spurs because he wasn't backed, uh, and. I don't subscribe to the, the theory that he's a he's a loser or a bottler. I think he was at Spurs, and Spurs are well, we've seen we've seen proven winners go to Spurs and not win anything and have the same problems. So, and he won things in his next job. So, <laughs> um, so I think he's capable of winning trophies. I don't know how long it will take, uh, but I think we've got owners who are patient and understand how far away we are in terms of. Manchester City. I mean, to be honest, a lot of teams are far away from Manchester City, not just us. So, um, uh, but he's the he's the right man for the job, and I'm I'm pretty positive uh, about him. Yeah, and Southampton had their best ever finish with him as a manager, as well. And you know, they have even smaller budget than Spurs. So, he's definitely the right man for the job, and I'm I'm pretty positive that uh, that he can that he can lay some good foundations and take take the club forward. Yeah. Yes, or I agree with basically all of that. I, it's funny. So, first off, what I, I saw this on Twitter a while ago, and I actually think it's right. Uh, Pacino's big club Bielsa, and, and right, Pacino was Bielsa's player, and then studied under him as a manager. What you are going to get with Pacino is very similar than, to what you would get with Bielsa. So, I mean, this just is like a general. My own view is. I don't think his teams are the most interesting to watch. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get a whatever the base formation, they're going to build up with the three at the back, and they're going to defend in a 4-4-2-ish type shape. They're going to press like no like, – I mean, Pacino's teams were the most aggressive pressers outside of Klopp's Liverpool when Pacino was in the Premier League. Period. They, these guys press. It's man-oriented pressing. It's not zonal. So you, basically every they, – they collapse on the player with the ball. That's kind of how – so I think it works. I think it's very effective. I'm not – I have no doubt that in his ability to succeed. I think he's kind of boring. Like I, there's not going to be a match where he goes to the low block counterattack. Like I was watching all their – all of Spurs matches against City and – what happened against City is, yeah, the Spurs had less of the ball because they were playing City, and maybe they didn't press with two. They pressed with just Kane. But the idea was the same. 
Right. And it's not, I mean, I've said this in our group chat and I don't mean this in a bad way. I don't mean this in a good way. I just mean this realistically. I think especially the first year, this team looked very similar to how we looked under Tuchel, at least in terms of how we attack and how we defend. We're going to defend with high line. We're going to defend aggressively. And we're going to probably struggle against low blocks because Pacino's teams always struggle against low blocks. But again, that's been a problem with Chelsea for the last decade. Even when we won titles, we don't do well against low blocks. And you, we don't have the players for that. So that's okay. I, I'm seeing this stuff online. Like, there was two polls I saw. And the, the, the what are your expectations for next season? The, the worst is Pochettino gets fired. The second worst, the second worst is top four finishing a trophy. To be clear, in Tuchel's second year at Chelsea, we got a top four finish. We did not get a trophy. And I don't care what anybody says. That team was fucking good. That team was fucking good. And you had a great manager. Expecting top four and a trophy. And a trophy. Are people watching the Premier League this year? Man City and Arsenal are not, we're not finishing above those two teams. Liverpool, I think, haven't lost in nine matches. They're going to be back next year. Newcastle are about to get even more signings. They're going to be good next year. Man United, they're going to get more signings. Expecting top four and a trophy is absurd. And if that is the standard that you are holding this team next year to, it could be Pacino, it could be Pep. You're going to be disappointed. The players on this squad have the potential to do that and much, much more. But they're not there yet. They're not there yet. This team is young, and yeah, it has some great young players. And I think in the summer, I I don't expect as big of a summer transfer outlay as a lot of people, but they'll get one or two players that are going to be useful. But we're just, this should be, it will be exciting. Talk to Spurs fans. The first time they thought under Pochettino that the team wasn't playing hard was the 7-2 drumming against Bayern. And I think Pacino got fired a week or two after that. Otherwise, this team always played hard on her. That Spurs team. And, like, I love shitting on Spurs. It's a really fun thing to do. But let's be clear. The Spur, that Spurs team, every year Pacino was there. Every year. Had the lowest transfer spend and lowest wage bill out of the other top six clubs. And basically every year finished above most of them. Southampton, they had no I, – I think they only had one transfer in the summer that he was there. And I think he got a close to top 10 finish with them. Like, it was the best finish ever in the Premier League. PSG, Pochettino did just as well as every other manager. He got canned because the star players didn't want to play for him. And they let Di, and Di Maria, who was his favorite player, was just – he was struggling to get him in the team. Chelsea don't have that problem. Like, listen, would it be great to have a problem where you have Leo Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe all on the same team? Yeah, I'd take that problem. I'd probably switch managers for that problem. But Chelsea don't have that problem. They don't have anywhere close to that problem. There's not a player on Chelsea's team right now that probably has that type of potential. And I mean, like, Mbappe is the best or second best player in the world. Neymar, when Neymar is healthy and playing, is a top five player. And Messi is a top ten player. Maybe Chelsea have one player with that potential, but not much. So, like, 
Pochettino is going to be a great manager for some of our players. And I'll kind of end here. Uh, but I, I'm not – is he the guy I'm most interested in watching Coach Chelsea? No. Do I think he's going to be effective? Absolutely. Yeah, I think you guys make a lot of good points about him. You know, in terms of what you guys were talking about early on with, you know, kind of our, the age of our squad, where we're at, where we're going. You know, that's kind of some of the things that, you know, score highlighted that had to do with, you know, what – Potch has done well in previous jobs and how that kind of fits with where we are as a club and how we need a lot of the things that he offers, whether that's winning or just we need this in terms of not bringing the trophies. That's really not what we need right now. And that's probably going to be very counterintuitive for a lot of listeners like, oh, we don't need trophies. Then what do we need? We simply need a reset of the culture, right? We need a reset of the culture that we've had in the club for so long, which is Players will know that they can outlast a manager so they can I, – I, I know that we get into the down tools argument, but which is hard to prove. But I still think there's an element of the players that know that they can outlast a manager and just kind of don't execute 100% because of the authority and power that they hold. And in many ways, they are more important than the manager in terms of financial allocations at the club – which is a whole other conversation. But what I'm getting at really has to do with this idea that if we continue to let that culture go on, then we're just going to continue this churn and churn of instability through managers. And we're hoping that basically, you know, a, a broken clock is right twice a day and maybe we'll hit gold again, like we did with Tuchel, but that's not going to be a guarantee. And it gets to a point where you've exhausted a lot of people on the market and your options become more limited. So if there's any chance at a sustainable long-term future with with you know not necessarily just pro slow progressive growth but with sustainable growth right then we have to probably ditch a lot of those past elements and move towards this and if that's really what the club is doing and we're getting Pochettino to undergo a lot of that process similarly to how I talked about Graham Potter then I think this is the right move and I think that this is a lot better of a move than Graham Potter because the biggest part of it is that you know Maurizio Pochettino has objective references at more of a top-level club than Potter ever had. Potter never had those, right? He went straight from Brighton to Chelsea, which is a giant step up, both in terms of, you know, club structure, the, the culture of the club, the stature of the club. You're now, you went from dealing with players that are, you know, like the Estubions and the Encisos and the, you know, Caicedos these McAllister-type players that are really breaking through and making a name for themselves. Now you're dealing with Chelsea. You're dealing with people that have an ego 10 times bigger than you as the manager and that are financially paid a lot more than you are as the manager. So with all of that to say, that's why Pochettino is really good because he can get us closer to that style of club and kind of away from where we were previously. And the reason why we have – really the underlying reason why we have to move away from how we used to be, in my opinion, stems from the fact that when we used to be that way with the old guard, right, those were players that – not just the old guard like Terry, Czech, Lompard, Drogba, even other auxiliary people like Balix and Essians – I mean, you're talking about a team that was entirely captains of their national team. It was almost like a, a, an 11 of, of just leaders and almost pseudo player managers at time uh, in some regards in terms of how just influential they were across managerial uh, stints. And we don't really have that. We don't lack, we, we really in truth lack almost every type of those players in this squad. So I don't think that the in, unstable burden and churn culture can work for those reasons. And it works for a lot of reasons, as you guys described with Pochettino and moving towards that other direction. But then also, I mean, back to what you were saying, Jordan, I think that's a great point 
about what that really means, which is accepting this is this is and people are going to hate when I say this, but this is a process. <laughs> it's a process. It really is. Yeah. I mean, like. I don't. Here's the thing. If anybody's seen Moneyball and I was talking to score about this before we started recording, but if you've seen Moneyball or read the book, but see, I, for the reference of this quote, I'm going to say scene. There's a scene where Brad Pitt's meeting with his baseball scouts, and he said he manages the Oakland Athletics, which are one of the poorest teams in baseball. And he, his scouts are like, "Oh, we not need to replace Jason Giambi, who just went to the Yankees for like some absurd amount of money." And he says, "If we try to play like the Yankees with a tenth of the Yankees' budget, we will lose." And I know Billy spent a lot of money so far. I'm going to be straight with you guys. If we try to win like Manchester City, we will lose. We will end up just where we were this season. That's what happened. And I don't think Bowley was doing that this season. I just mean like it was the culmination of events. We cannot try to win the Premier League by trying to outdo City. City have done this for a lot of years, and I fucking hate the country that owns them, but they're really damn good at it. They're really good at it. They have a great ownership. They have a great manager, and they have a great team. I mean, Bernardo Silva has become known as this, like, technical wizard. He's a workhorse. Bernardo Silva has just done whatever Pep needs. What DM, midfielder, winger, he played false nine. But he can do it right. Kyle Walker, like, he's really only played fullback or center back. But same idea. Like, they've gotten these guys that have just been workhorses in this structure. We're not there yet. Score mentioned before the podcast, like, look at what Liverpool did. That's how you have to do it, right? You need to build the squad. Listen, do I think Grand Potter Potter was in over his head? Maybe. Do I think it was the wrong choice at the time? I don't know, right? I don't know, given the circumstances, who would have come in and done much better. I mean, I would like to think Pochettino would, but it was a hard appointment. And... Again, do I think Pacino's a tactical wizard? No. But do I think, given the age of our squad, is a tactical wizard really what we need right now? Also, probably no. So, it's going to, listen, Poch is going to have a three year contract. I think the first two years, let's just see serious progress, right? If next year that means we don't give up in the first 20 minutes of a match and Maybe we get top five, top six, and make a cup run. Hell, that's great. The year after, let's try to get a trophy. But we're not going to win the Premier League in the next years. Like, anybody listening, I really hate to burst your bubble. There is no world. Pep Guardiola could be our manager. There is no world where this squad is winning the Premier League title in two years. So I'll end there. But, like, it's a process. It's a process. Exactly. It is. Uh, I don't like to use that word because everyone has talked about that word for so long and people don't like that word at Chelsea anymore. Uh, but it is. It, it, it's a... Yeah, it's a... It's, it takes time to build... I mean, like, what... what um, Pochettino isn't just building a football team. He's building a football club. Right? That's what he does. Um, he it's not just about the team it's about every member of staff every like even like the the tea ladies the the everyone who works at, at the club 
is together, right? Everyone has standards of behavior. Like he, like at Spurs, he made every player shake each other's hand before training. Like that was, you had to do that. Like, and if you saw the owners or the chairman, you had to shake their hand. Like it was just a rule. Like, and what he, what I think what I've, what I've heard in, what I've read about him and what I've heard about him, he, he doesn't have too many rules. He starts with rules, but what he tries to do is turn those rules into a culture so that it's not about enforcing rules. It's just about this is how we do things, right? And that takes time, right? And yeah, and I mean, if you approach it as in, like we, we have a squad of young talent who are, we are developing into a team. We are getting players who can suit what we're trying to do. We can, who can complement that. Maybe we get a bit of experience in there as well to help because we've got a lot of young talent. Uh, and we give them time to develop. We allow them to make mistakes because young players make mistakes. Like not, I hate to like. And it seems to me that sometimes that, that some of our fan base think that every young talent in the world has to play like Mbappe at eighteen or nineteen, or they're rubbish. Like um, young, most young players are not Kylian Mbappe, <laughs> right? It takes time to develop, and you will make mistakes as you develop. The only way you can develop is by playing and making mistakes. If you're a young, if you're a young player, right? So we have to accept that's going to happen with a few with a few players, right? And he may not play them every week. He may play them in like in the right games, so they get twenty or thirty games in a season and get better over the season. That's probably what will happen. Chelsea will get better over the season. That's what I expect. I expect us to finish the season quite well, actually, next season, because by then people will have bought into his philosophy. We'll be used to it. They'll be they'll be fitter. They'll be sharper. They'll be better conditioned, and they'll be they'll be the, the system will be flowing a lot more, right? And uh, so we might have a good a good run into the season, right? Especially when we haven't got two games a week, and other teams will have. So we'll have played less games, and that's and we need a season like that to be perfectly honest. Off the number of games that we've played, like I've said this before, one of the reasons we've been so bad this season. It's because we've played like um, like 150, 160 games in the last three years, right? Nobody else has done that, really, apart from Liverpool. And Liverpool have had, had an off-season as well, right? The reason that they're coming back now is because they've already got a structure and philosophy in place, so they can default to that, right? And they've got a, obviously got a world-class manager as well, uh, who they all support. And so... Obviously, that was gonna that's gonna happen more likely with them, but with us, we don't have that to fall back on at all. And we've got a bunch of players, some of whom, quite frankly, don't seem don't seem to care about Chelsea Football Club at all. They only care about their pay packets and like just oh, I'll show up for training maybe, you know, because um, I know that I can get the manager sacked and I can just keep showing up and getting paid. Well, that's going to change. Like most, look look at the players that most people think are going to get sold. Most of them are. Players that are from the old culture, like who am I? In particular, talking about Kovacic, Zayek, Pulisic, maybe Kai Havertz, um, Aspilicueta leaving, maybe you know Mendy. All of those players came here under the old regime, under the old way of doing things, right? So you get them out of the club, and you keep players that weren't here for that. That's how you change the culture of the club, like. Uh, you know, and especially young players are much more receptive to new ideas and new ways of doing things than players that have been at a club for a while. 
so that's that's going to have to happen. It's going to be harsh. Um, like I heard a podcast about Pochettino's training methods. Like he works players really, really hard. He gets you to the point where you almost want to like give up. I think Paul Lambert said on a podcast today that you, you get players get to a point where they either buy in fully to what he's doing or they turn on him basically. Like, and I was thinking, right, that's why we need to get rid of all our players, uh, toxic players, because if, once they once they decide they don't like him, they'll you know they'll like okay, we're gonna we're gonna down tools until we get him sacked, right? And that's not gonna I mean that's not gonna happen because Pochettino will just will just if they stop showing in training, he'll just make them train separately, right? And that's what that's what he does. That's what he did at Tottenham, and um, they'll be in for a rude awakening if they try it because he's not a walkover. <laughs> he's probably one of the strongest managers that we've had for a while, actually. I think like he's he's pretty ruthless. He doesn't indulge players' egos. Um, it's like my way or no way kind of thing. And again, it's something that's something that we need as a club. Um, the, the other side of that though is that Pochettino is very good at building human relationships he's very popular with his players the players like playing for him and like training for him because he's good at building relationships so they can they can take this training stuff that he does because they they respect him uh, and they like him and he treats them properly uh so yeah it's going to be a change it's going to take time to implement all of that but i'm here for it i've wanted us to have a manager like this for a long time like to build a football club to build a solid foundation and that can be sustainable because that's the only way you're going to get success now is you have that foundation and that structure you can't just spend a load of money on players and suddenly compete with Manchester City it doesn't work like that anymore right um and you've got to be near on perfect to win the league now so anyway yeah so it is a process and we're going to have to be patient because the owners will be, will be patient, you know, they don't want another season like this one in terms of changing managers. Um, so, yeah. I just want to chime in really quickly because I want to argue with ghosts at this point. But I, I'm seeing, like, people say that, oh, well, he's not Thomas Tuchel. And these are the same people that say Thomas Tuchel is a top three manager in the world. I think I'm somewhere in between. I think Thomas Tuchel is one of the greatest tacticians alive. And I actually think, He's a much better man-manager than he gets credit for. His issue is ownership. He falls out with ownerships. But but just let's look at Tom Tuchel, Thomas Tuchel, right? If you think he's a top three manager and you say, well, this hire sucks because Potch isn't a top three manager, who the fuck were you expecting? Who are you expecting? Right? If you say there's three great managers, three world-class managers alive, One's with City, one's with Liverpool, and one is Thomas Tuchel. There's not another one. There's not five people in the top three. It's just logic. A top three is a top three for a reason. Do I think Pacino is the best tactician we even interviewed? No. Do I find it weird that people are saying Luis Enrique and Hansi Flick are better tacticians than Marcio Pacino? Yeah. Because they're not. They all have the same problem, all three of them, Like, which is that they, they have their thing, and that's what they do, right? We didn't interview, outside of maybe Nagelsmann, maybe Nagelsmann, and I like that. I would actually say outside of Nagelsmann, we didn't interview any of these super tactical types. Like, we didn't interview a Jose Mourinho type. 
what we interviewed were basically club builders. And I think at the end of the day, the big reason why Nagelsmann wasn't going to work here is I don't think Nagelsmann had the patience. Like, and I want to give the guy a little credit, right? He did that already at Leipzig. He may not want to do that again. Maybe that's just what it is, right? Maybe he wants to go to Bayern, Real Madrid, PSG. Like, maybe that's what he wants, which like, hey, power to him. It wasn't a good fit here. Pochettino's tactics have been the same everywhere he goes. There's a six, whether it's in a four, two, a double pivot or a single pivot. The six drops in between the center backs or to the left of the center backs or right or whatever. Drops in somewhere on the center back line and they build up in a 3-1 or 3-2, just depending on the opponent, right? He, every one of those players, including the fullbacks, press really high up the pitch. You, you will, we will, I mean, the reason why he works these players hard is they have to, like, there's not a spot. If one player is out of position or doesn't press hard, the whole press breaks down and you're giving up a goal. So, so he's not unpredictable, right? It's not like Tuchel and Mourinho where, like, even as a fan, you really didn't know what they were going to do match to match. Like, it was kind of up in the air. But that's, that's okay. We have a young squad, I, right? People talk about Mourinho. Like, when Mourinho was Chelsea manager the first time around, yeah, that team had a lot of young players, but they were young players that were really experienced. They could deal with a different tactic every match, right? The team we won the Champions League with, with Tuchel. You had veterans, right? Tuchel had one practice, and the team looked like it was a totally different club in the first match. But I, I think part of that, I actually think a lot of that's due to Tuchel, but I also think part of it is you just had veterans that have done multiple things. And we don't have that. Right, like this team is incredibly talented with incredibly high amounts of potential, but I think it's going to take time, and people are just going to need to be patient. I think we are going to play hard, and I think we're going to win more games next year. I think we're going to score more goals, and I think we're going to give up as much or less as we did this year. But it's going to take time. We're not at City's level, and we won't be for a little while. Uh, I, I want to mention something about them. Um... About Pochettino, I think I actually think we're not giving Pochettino enough credit for how good he is tactically. Uh, I, I've been I've been following the conversation on Pochettino, and I think one of the things that many people don't credit Pochettino with is the fact that he didn't have world class players at 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 Tottenham, and when when you consider that. He came in second with eight six points. I think it was second. Yeah, he got eight six points with with. Yeah, I mean, Kane Kane definitely counts as a world class player. Son does, Ericsson does, but three three players out of Vertonghen and and other other were world class. Yes, Loris was France team captain, but no one looked at that team at any point and said. This team should be finishing top two. This team should finishing uh, should be challenging for the title. And I say that because when you overachieve, you you create should I say problems for yourself? We've seen it many times with Chelsea managers. Conte came in, got Marcus Alonso, got Victor Moses. Though Moses was at the club, he anyway he won the league, and the following season, you know, he was expected to make top four. 
And many of the circumstances that surrounded him winning the league the first season was not there in the second season. And many people just, and many people just, uh, just ignored it and and said he failed. Many people had a lot of things to say about his second season. By the way, Sari, the attacking manager, Maurizio Sari, his team scored one more goal than Conte's 17 18 team. So that's how attacking well under Sari, and that's how bad we're under, under Conte in the second season. But Pochettino often overachieved with, with, with Spurs, and I want to emphasize how much he overachieved with that squad because it, it, it may sound like, oh, I'm giving him. Uh, I'm giving him, I'm giving him excuses for not winning a trophy at Spurs. Surely that can be held against Pochettino now, considering the the, the, the managers that have gone there after him. Even if we thought he was a butler before, it can be held against him now, because he was there. He got a six points with a Tottenham team that was nowhere near the Chelsea team that won the league. So you can't really say he bottled anything there. In the Champions League, he dragged Tottenham to to well. He drags is a strong word considering that you know um, Lucas Moura scored a hat trick in, in the second leg of the semi final. But I, I I do believe that they could have done better in the final because I think they played better than you probably expect them to against the Liverpool in the Champions League final. But ultimately, Liverpool had better players than them, had a probably better manager. So, on the balance of things, they didn't throw away a tunnel lead in that final, so you can't really say. They bottled the final leader. Pochettino is very good tactically. Very. And it's important to note that because when you have a young squad, what you need is good coaching. And and Pochettino is that. He's, he's a very good coach. I think a lot of the players that, just like under Tuku, Tuku came in, many of the players that were clamoring for to be gone, get out, I remember Rudiger was was almost on his way out. He had started two league games before Tuku came in. And, and he played the remaining games. And I personally didn't like it that, that Kozuma was was sidelined for 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 Rudiger when Tuku came in. But Tuku justified he justified the decisions and he showed he's an elite coach. I think a lot of, of the problems we have in the fan base is. And a lot of this is down to the fan base. I think a lot of the problem we have is we misrepresent things a lot. And that is a very, very dangerous thing because when you don't see things for what they are, you find yourself wanting something that, you find yourself looking for what's not lost. You find yourself uh, criticizing things that are actually very good. Tsuku last season did not did not challenge for the title. He was top of the league for 10 game weeks, but he never challenged for the title. He did come third. And the only teams that came above him got 93 and 92 points. So we actually did very well last season. I've seen a lot of where where we were sixth in, in 2022. And I don't know what that's supposed to mean. If I win 11 out of the first 19 games of the season, and I win the remaining 19 in the second half of the season, and I win the league. Is it undeserved because I was poor in the first half of the season? Because it's the the, the season spans two years for a reason. So we can't really we can't we can't cut out time frames from from things to 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 push the narratives we want to push. I think we had a very good season last season. 
The problem is many people represented that season as, as poor. Many people said, oh, we were not good in certain areas. We didn't do enough to break down low blocks, which is something that a lot of people say. That's apparently a criticism that the team doesn't do enough to break down low blocks. There are not many teams that can break down low blocks when you actually get down to it. We also scored some six league goals last season, which is the most goals we've scored since the title winning season, which is something. I'm saying all this to, to, to indicate that players are... Chelsea has spent a lot of money on players. There is no player at the moment that is looking worth the money. Even Enzo Fernandez. Enzo Fernandez has, has played well, and he has done everything I expected him to do and has been extremely consistent at it. But for 120 million, good passing is not... I, would, I wouldn't say, oh, that was money well spent. I'm not, I'm not saying Enzo has been a bad signing. I'm saying no player has particularly looked... Yes, this is why we spend this money for this player. And when that is happening with every player on the roster, it shows me that it's not a player issue. We've seen many times... Before Badi actually came into the, start, the, the lineup, Kulibali wasn't having a good season. He wasn't playing well. He was doing a lot of things that we didn't understand. But Achille came in and, and things looked different. So you couldn't turn around to say it was something else other than the player, if you get what I mean. So I think when large chunks of, of, the, of the playing staff are looking as bad as we've looked this season, because ultimately we are where we are because of how we played on the pitch and how we played on the pitch is, is the players that have played on the pitch, not, not the coach. So if we are playing, if we are putting up performances that poor, we're not scoring enough, we're considering a lot, we are sitting in 11th place, it, it, it shows me that we, our, our issue is not, let's, let's go into the transfer market and, and get rid of some of these players that are not good enough. I don't doubt that there are players in the squad that are not good enough. This, we have, what, 40, 40 plus players on the roster now, not including teams that are coming in. So we would have to trim down the squad. But we've not had good coaching this season. We've had Potter, who didn't coach the team well. We've had Lampard, who is not a good coach. We know Lampard is not a good coach because we've seen him. He has managed us. He has managed Everton, managed Debbie County. We know he's not a good coach. When, when, he was supposed to, when he was supposed to be appointed, many people said it was for the vibes. Many people said it was to get the fans connected back to the club. I made the case then that there was no point connecting the fans to the club because the fans will only be connected to the club when they are winning games. Chelsea fans were as connected to Chelsea as we could possibly be. We're not going anywhere. We're here. We support the club anyway. We're not uh, going to stop watching games, though many people did, which is fair. Because we're quite rubbish. But it was not, there was no need to, to babysit the fans. We know what we're watching. We've been horrendous. We needed good coaching. Some people are making the case that, yeah, many people were saying, oh, uh, no one was going to take the job. And that is something that, you know, we don't have the information. So it's very easy to say no one was going to take it. I don't think Lampard was the, was the option. Because now I'm seeing things about Lampard collaborating with Pochettino to, to do squad building. And I don't understand what I'm seeing. Lampard should not have a say in anything concerning this club, playing staff, coaching, tactics, whatever. He should, he should not be here. 
there's a reason why he got sacked the second time he was here. There's a, there's a reason he left Everton in 19th place. But that aside, I don't think we've had good coaching this season. And when you have young players who are thrown into lineups, there's no structure there. The whole team is playing bad. Everybody starts looking at themselves like, am I, am I a nonsense player? Because how do you convince some of the players who've gotten that they're not rubbish? How do you convince Mikhail Modriga is not nonsense? He's coming. He's not played that many games. He's had, what, two assists? But he's not looked good at all. 88 million. And many people have mentioned that when you watch some of these players, you can see that they have the talent. All they need to do is be given clear instructions, be taught some little details, and, and they'll be good to go. I'm not suggesting that Pochettino is going to turn all the players we have into, into world-class players. But we are not 11th bad. We are not the 11th best team in, in the league, even though we've behaved like the 11th best team in the league. Underline numbers, goals scored, goals considered, we've been quite poor. But we are not the 11th best team in the league. And after spending all the money we spent on the squad, it's, it's realistic to say that the team has had poor coaching because there is nowhere else that that much money is spent on the squad and people are still looking at the, at the players as the issue. Nowhere else. And I suspect that is happening now because Lampard is in charge, which is what the ownership wanted us to think. They wanted us to, to deflect the, the, the attention from them. I should also mention, while I'm saying all this, that we are where we are almost solely because of the ownership, almost completely. Because we, we've, we've, we've heard many of the things that the ownership wants to do, and it's good to have grand plans. But there is no need to rush your plans. If you say it's a long-term project, why are you trying to rip up everything in 18 weeks? There's no need to rush everything. But I... I I don't want to say too much. I, I think, I think uh, Bailey and, and the ownership team did not handle many things well, and they were not forced into making wrong decisions. They just, it was, it was a bit of arrogance, excitement, arrogance, whatever I want to call it, but they were arrogant in how they went about things, and now they have us in 11th place. I think Pochettino is, is, is very good at what he does. I think with... With the young players we have, we already have a lot of players that don't need that much coaching. But they're still even one of them. I think Fofana probably falls into that category. Enzo probably does. But these are players that will take instructions. They'll take tactical instructions. And if they're giving good tactical instructions, they will execute it very well on the pitch. Madweke is, is, is good at, you know, getting past players. He's good at... Uh, uh, He's good at um, creating space, but the final ball is not quite there. He's 21, 22, so there's no need to there's no need to to get onto him for not having the final ball yet. That's something that passing is is probably one of the things that professional footballers do easiest. So it's just a matter of giving him probably cues. But we we have a lot of good players. As for next season, I don't think we should we should set a, a target for top four. I think we should see how it goes. I, if we find ourselves taught for most of the season, then top four becomes a, a, a requirement. And we can now say, oh, we expected top six at the end of the season. So I think 
top six is probably what we should we should be fighting for because there are a lot of teams in the league currently that are in a better position than us. So we can't just expect to get Pochettino in and just uh, move into third place or second place or whatever it is. So there is that. But I think we have very good players and they've just not looked it because we've not had good coaching at all this season. Yeah, I mean, oh, I agree with that. I just, like, listen, I'm one of the people that thinks managers matter a lot, both in terms of coaching, but also I think tactical setups matter. I think there's a floor with your talent and that keeps you at a certain level. But I think the ceiling is kind of down to the manager. But that's it. I also just think, like, let's be fair to some of these guys, right? Like, yeah, you mentioned Enzo, Badiashile, and Fafana. And while all three have done things incorrectly at points this season, I think it's more because of where their managers are playing them than what they've actually done. So I, I agree with you there. But, like, Mudrik, Madueke, these are really huge talents that need a good manager. And I agree with you. But, like, they also just need to develop. Like, those guys are young. Young guys in this sport, unless you're Mbappe, don't, like, most aren't good at this age. So, I mean, I agree with you, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. But I I just, I think Poch is a little bit of Potter, or of Potter, of Bailey admitting that they did things wrong this first year, right? Because, like, Nagelsmann, for his arrogance, is a lot less experienced. Nobody would have given it, like... Nobody would have cared if there was stuff like, oh, Nagelsmann and the owners are fighting. Everybody's like, yeah, well, Nagelsmann's a baby. Posh comes in with a much bigger reputation, which is kind of funny to me, but it's true. Like, he's done this big club management before. And I think that is a little bit of the owners admitting, like, hey, I mean, you'd have to be an idiot to think if you were the owners that you did good last summer. And they don't, right? Like, we know. They, did, they don't think that. But they didn't do well last summer. And they're, I think they're admitting this now. They have a much bigger scouting trading team. And they have a bigger, like a, a another well-established coach. So I'm optimistic. Again, I'm optimistic like all of us. And we all agree, which is weird on this podcast. Um, but we all agree, like, finishing top four is unlikely. And that's okay. So... I guess that's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I, I think expectation. I think you're right, Alan. You're right about expectations. I think it's our fans have been so conditioned to spend a lot of money on players, hire a super coach, and, and instantly we're challenging for the title. That they don't, and they haven't been. They haven't learned. I don't blame them for this. Actually, they haven't learned about what it takes to build a football team, what it takes to build a football club, what it, you know, what, what, especially in modern football, because the way that we did things only worked when we were the richest club. Like people are comparing, I saw people comparing Todd Bowley's takeover to the first year of Roman Abramovich. And I was like, that's just not a comparison to make because when Abramovich took over Chelsea, there was, we were the richest club in the world. We could buy any player we wanted. Nobody could compete with us at all financially. So we could get anyone we wanted, right? And the Premier League wasn't as competitive as it is now because uh, there were a load of rich clubs, like, or richer clubs. And then 
and the top clubs always beat the bottom half clubs pretty much and it wasn't as competitive as it is now uh, and as soon as more money came into the Premier League in 2012 and as soon as Manchester City turned up and started doing their thing suddenly it became more competitive right and then spending the most money is not enough because there's other teams that have got money another team that can attract top players and so you have to have more than that and Man City not only spent the money they also built the structure they also built a top class scouting and recruitment system um they they built a network of clubs they done they did all of that they put that in place and Liverpool were the first club to realise that this is the only way to catch them is to build a structure, build good scouting, build a team over a few years, recruit well, get strong in depth, and then you can compete. And it takes time. It took them time. It took them, actually, it took them, I think, four, three and a half years to win a trophy under Klopp, right? Um... And they were top four, I think, most of that time, but they didn't win a trophy for three and a half years. And then they won all of it. They won everything. Literally every trophy available they've won in the last three years. So we're going to have to be patient. You know, we can't set impossible expectations. And it's not lowering of standards to say we need that fifth or sixth is an achievement. It's that fifth, fifth or sixth next season is a step towards where we want to be. Where we want to be, is challenging for the title again, winning the title again, winning, challenging for the Champions League. That's where we have, that's where we want to be, but it will take more than one season to get there. So next season, you make more, you make progress, you build a team, you start developing an identity, you start playing good football, you start getting good results. Maybe you get into Europe, right? Maybe you have a good cut run. Season after that, expectations are a little higher, right? So you, maybe you aim to get into the top four comfortably. Maybe you aim to win a trophy. Right then, the season after that, maybe you aim to at least challenge for the title. Maybe do what Arsenal have done this year, right? Put together a good run for the title that maybe finishes in March or April or something, right? And maybe win another trophy. It just—it's going to take time to get there. The aspiration is there. That's what these fans don't seem to understand: is that the aspiration is there. It's just it takes time to get to where you want to be in modern football. And I believe in these owners. I did a—I did a list of players that we, we've signed who are all young players. You know, we've got, we've got about 19, 20 players who are all going to be entering their prime in about two or three years' time. And we've already signed most of them. And we've got the, one of the best managers in the world at developing young talent. So in two or three years, we're going to have a really strong squad and we're not going to need to add too much to it. And we're going to be competitive. And But that's two, three years down the line. And actually, two, three years down the line, Pep Guardiola probably won't be at City anymore. Jurgen Klopp probably won't be at Liverpool anymore, right, if we're lucky. Um, and that gives us a window at that point, right, to come in and maybe, oh, we, maybe we can nick a league title in a transitional year for City and Liverpool, right? Maybe. So it's just patience and time. And that's, that's what we have to do now. It's the only way we're going to get back to winning Premier Leagues, winning Champions Leagues, all of that is if we let somebody build a club and build a team over and give them time to do that and just look for progress year on year. That's the key. Like, we don't want to, like, people saying they don't, they're not expecting to win the title next year or challenge for it. It's not lack of ambition. It's, it's acknowledgement that getting to the point where we can do that is going to take a couple of years. And we have to just look for progress. As long as we see progress in terms of where we are 
in terms of how we're performing, in terms of player development, in terms of results, in terms of where we finish in the league year on year, that's good because it means we're getting closer to where we want to be, which is ultimately at the top. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what our fans are going to have to accept. Um, and that's how it's going to be, whoever the manager is. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I want to add that. I think when, when in, in the first takeover, Abramovich, I think we did increase the standard of the league. The league did get better when, when Abramovich came the first time. I don't think the league can get harder than it is now. Because now you already need 94, 95, 98 points to win the league. Even though in the past, what, two seasons or three seasons, uh, City has won the league with 86 points, they won the league with 93 points. And this season, they are likely going to win the league with 86 points or 88 points thereabouts. Because they will probably will win the league against Chelsea in this Sunday. But I think for me, the rebuild is not a time thing. I think it heavily depends on how you go about it. We we sat Manchester City a lot, and Manchester City didn't take time. Liverpool did, and there, and there are reasons why. Klopp, I, I believe Klopp and Pep are extremely elite managers. But Pep had a lot of money to buy players he wanted and needed. Klopp didn't. And when Klopp started getting the money to buy players, he started challenging. He got Salah, he got money, and then the season he brought in Van Dijk, I think they, that half season, they looked very good. Then the following season, they brought in Allison, and then they challenged for the league. I think Chelsea has a lot of money, and we don't need to spend five years doing our rebuild. I'm not saying this to to say that Port should be challenging for the league as soon as possible. I'm saying oftentimes the time is emphasized. And I don't think the time is the most important thing. I think recruitment plays a key part of every rebuild one, title challenge two. I think if you look at the Manchester City, if you look at Manchester City, for instance, they didn't spend a lot of time building with Pep. In their first season, they came third. They added six players, they, they won 100 points. That was Gadilla's first season, he, he, first title win. He broke it in, in record-breaking fashion. And he hasn't slowed down since then. But what we've noticed that Chelsea hasn't had, and Liverpool probably hasn't had, is every time Pep asks for a refresh in any position, he got it. Midfield, he got it. Centre-back, he got it. Full-back, he got it. I mean, he won the league with nice three points and then got Haaland and then got Alvarez. So, it's... I've seen enough in, 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 in these things to suggest that it's, it's not a time thing. Recruitment is extremely important and Chelsea has not recruited well before now. And as of right now, we've done better recruitment than we've done under most seasons. In, in, in the Abramovich era. But I mentioned that the, the, the transfer recruitment hierarchy bothers me because it's unclear. 
And why it bothers me is, I think if it's unclear to us, I won't be surprised if it's unclear to the people too. For instance, Joe Shields, Paulie Stanley, and Vivel all occupy similar roles in name. And because I know how Bailey operates, he's not, he's new to this football thing. I will not be surprised if they have overlapping roles as well in, in functionality. And what that means is, do we have a DOF? Do we not have a DOF? If we do, who is the DOF? Who do Joe Shields and Vivel answer to? Who do Vivel and Will Stanley answer to? Do some people answer to Will Stanley? Do some people answer to Vivel? Do they all answer to Bailey? Are they on the same level? Who is higher? Because I think these things would matter if, if they are going to put us together and, and make transfer decisions, I don't mind because it, that's supposed to be done by a team that is good at scouting and, and player evaluation anyway. But the whole point of a leader and, and a head is when there's conflict, someone's word has to stand and three people's word can't stand. If we say, oh, let's leave it to Bailey, Bailey's word can't stand in football decisions either. So that bothers me. I don't know what the, the details are in that. I don't know what exactly is what, but I don't like the fact that we have several people occupying head of recruitment, transfer. I don't, I don't like it. I think I think we're trying to eat our cake and have it, and I don't think we can. I think uh, Bailey should appoint someone who is a clear DOF that every other person in, in, that, in that department, should I say, would answer to. But the point I was making was, I, I think recruitment is... For me, the more important factor in a rebuild, and if you recruit well and you have a good coach, you won't take five years to win a trophy like Liverpool did. Uh, Arsenal is a, is a good example. Arsenal, in their third year, was challenging for the league. Uh, they did not... There are many signings they wanted to buy that they couldn't get, but they, the Trossard then is an example. Yeah, the Trussell thing is an example. Uh, they wanted Modric. They couldn't get Modric. They got Trussard. Trussard has had like eight assists for them this season in the league or something like that. So recruitment is, is a very big part of it. I think we've bought many players that we probably could have done with buying them at a later time. But I don't mind I don't mind having them now because if you have them, it means you don't have to go go looking for them to buy. But yes, it, it's an excellent point. Edwards was a key part of, of, of Liverpool. And when he left, I think he's left now, it, things were not going as well. We saw Liverpool, we've seen Liverpool make some signings in the past one or two windows that, that has made us wonder. Because the Gakpo signing is one of them. Granted, Gakpo has been good for them, but many of us felt they needed to strengthen elsewhere, and they, they they got yet another forward. So, things like that. I don't think we need to... I think concerning Pochettino, which is what we're talking about, I think we need to watch. We don't need to, to get... We don't need to map out what his, four, his first four years would look like, where we'll finish, how many trophies we'll win. I think trophies are not as hard to win as a Chelsea manager, because you are in all competitions, we are not all competitions. At least the cups and the league, we are not the league, realistically. But in every cup competition, we have a chance. We reached five consecutive finals with about three different managers: Conte, Tuku, Lampard. So 
it's not you don't have to be you don't have to be to be city to 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 compete in in in, in the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup. So I think yeah. But yeah, I, I I I think we can we can expect a challenge in the cups. I think it was outrageous that we got knocked out in the first round of both cup competitions this season. It was quite underwhelming, especially in the manner in which we did. But uh, I I don't think I don't think we need to expect to finish eighth and then finish sixth and then finish fourth and then finish second and then challenge for a league and fail. And then challenge for a league and win it. I think that is there's a lot of nuance and a lot of uh, a lot of context regarding every rebuild. And the context behind our own rebuild is we have the players. I I believe we have the players, and they just need good coaching. But when when they get good coaching, we can access them fairly. We can know oh this player is better at this, is still bad at this. He can improve on this. He's never going to improve on that. I think it's. I think we have the players, and I think we have the resources to get players we we need. If if Pochettino comes in and says, "I want so so and so goalkeeper to play the way I want to play," we have the resources to get him that goalkeeper. If he says it's a centre back, a certain midfielder, it's a certain forward, a certain striker, we have the resources to get that. Whether we get that specific player, probably not. I don't know because there are a lot of. Of teams after the same players, but yeah, I think recruitment is the most important thing, and the reason why we've not gotten yeah, this is the point. The reason why we've not gotten uh, why we spent a lot of money on that Roman and didn't really a lot of things were still left wanting was because we spent a lot of money that was just that was just wasted. Zapacosta, then Drinkwater, you know, many players that were not good idea that were not good ideas at the time. We bought them and then they turned out not to be good ideas anyway. And then we we came back 18 months later wondering why we got the player. Many players like that. Alvaro Marata was one of them. He was he had not shown anything to suggest that he could be the striker to lead a club. He was a substitute in most of the clubs he had been. Yes, he was scoring a lot of goals from the bench. But we went and got him and we broke the record on him and here we are. Uh, years later, still hating him and, you know, he's moved on. But we spent a lot of money on that guy. So there are many signings we've made that were not great ideas. Either we misprofiled them, Kai Havertz is one of them. Either we misprofiled them or we just thought they would give us something that they didn't give us. Many players like that and we spent a lot of money on these players. As opposed to City, who have a clear strategy, there's a way they want to play. There are certain players that fit that mode, and they just gone and gotten those players every single window. Not all their, their signings have been successes, but you, you can't have a hundred percent success rate. You probably can't have a ninety percent success rate. But they've enough of their signings have been hits that you can say that they have a good transfer strategy and they know what it is they go after when they buy. We talk about Bundesliga tax. We say, oh, uh, he's, from, he's from the German league. I don't know. He's from the Eredivisie. I, I, I think players from there can't really make it. But City has, has never had that issue. Never. They got Alvarez from the, uh, I think, the Argentinian league. He's been fine. They got Gundogan from Bundesliga. He's been fine. 
They got Akonji, who has never kept a clean sheet in his life at Dortmund. That, that's an exaggeration. But Dortmund were very bad defensively. They were not keeping clean sheets. They were always shipping goals, and I did not understand it. He's, 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 he's looked fine. Haaland came from the Bundesliga. He's okay. Um, KDB came from the Bundesliga. They don't... City doesn't have any problem with Bundesliga players. Why do we? City doesn't have... a. Issues with players that they've gotten that that many people have doubts in, but we get players for 80 70 million, and then we start sitting down in roundtable discussions, having press conferences on where to play them and what the best way to, the best way to get the best out of them is. I think it's I think it's poor strategy and it's poor recruitment, and I think we're we're probably getting better at that, but it still remains to be seen because we just spent 600 million. And we're 11th, and that's the reality of the situation. Well, I mean, as far as player recruitment goes, you might have some of it this summer, and you know, there's probably a few key positions for that. I can think of three of them specifically, but that kind of leads me to like what I wanted to ask you guys uh, kind of <clears throat> to do like expected lineups and talk about maybe who's going to fit where in this poach team. I think that's the most interesting thing to kind of discuss looking forward because it's going to be the basis of how we pull ourselves you know, from a mid-table club uh, back up to where we expect to be. So, I, I mean, I think just to get it started here in goal, I don't know what's going to happen. That's going to be so contingent upon who goes, I think. if. Uh, but as it stands, I think you probably would more than likely see Keppa in goal at this point. Um, you know, granted, we'll see what happens in the summer. But my kind of viewpoint is if we solve the rest of the team, we really shouldn't be overly concerned with goalkeeper positions if we can get the rest of the structure ahead of the goalkeeper, correct. Um, because if you look at like shots per shots on target face per game, the teams that are above us face less shots. So let's figure out that problem in the defense instead of worrying about like a goalkeeper at all the times, right? Because that, that's how I approach the problem. If you can solve the 10 people in front of the goalkeeper, then you've minimized the importance of the goalkeeper himself. Right. So that that's how I, just my philosophy of team building. I would rather start from a center back and build forward than I would start at the center back and then the goalkeeper and then, and then build forward. Um, that That's kind of how I look at that. So I would probably say I, maybe Keppa gets another run. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to cry at all if we sell both goalkeepers and bring somebody new in. I, that's where I'm at on both of those guys. I think Mindy and Keppa are both solid, but they've got limitations. I think at right back, it's almost foregone conclusion. It's going to be Reese, probably a lot more rotation, though, than uh, previous seasons, because now we'll have Malo Gusta, or uh, uh, yeah, Gusta Malo next to him, who should be a very good player. Um, and it lets us probably have a solid amount of rotation, even though we won't be playing, you know, three times a week now. So there is that aspect to it. Um, and, and it'd be interesting to see how that dynamic is managed by Pochettino going forward. And then as far as the, the center backs, I think it's, to me, it shouldn't even be a question. It should be Fofana and Bayashile. I don't really think there's a whole lot else that needs to be said there. I think they're going to be able to do the things that Pochettino wants them to do. I think they're both a little more dynamic of a center back in terms of, you know, you, you have a little bit more of a ball playing ability. You can see sometimes in offensive phases, uh, Fofana push very high, you know, high forward and join more of a, <clears throat> more of a, you know, support role. Uh, behind the midfield so I, I just think you've got more uh, more there and it fits the, the the billing of the squad right let's not play these older guys like Pua Bali 
and the Kualali or the Silva. Let's play these younger guys that fit the core of what we're building here. And then I think at left back, you'll probably still have Chilwell. I don't see him being displaced by Cucurella. I'd say in the midfield, that's where it's going to be very interesting. I think it'll be a two-man double pivot, right, with uh, with Enzo and probably a new defensive midfielder. Um, I because I, I don't think there's really anybody else to even predict to play defensive mid. And then I think it's going to be, you know, four, two, three, one, you're three, you're attacking three up front right wing. I hope to see Matoeke over Sterling personally. Um, I would also hope to see Mudrick over anybody else on that left wing. Um, I hope it's going to be uh, at the cam position. I think it's going to be like in Kunku Mount. And then let's see what we do with Zhao Felix. Let's see what we do with Kai Havertz. Cause all four of those guys kind of play those same roles. Kind of the same thing with Mount. Let's see what happens with Mount, too. It might be in Kunku by default if we sell, uh, you know, Mount and Havertz and don't sign Felix. It might just be, you know, deep position by default. And then I think for my striker, everyone's going to hate me. Maybe it's on brand. But my my honest strategy after the news today was go buy Tony on, Jan- on you know, June 30th. Go buy him immediately because his valuation is going to be dirt because nobody wants to get a guy with an eight-month suspension. But I would. I'll take him for 30 million. Absolutely. If we can get a cut rate, cut rate deal on him for 20, 30 million. And I don't know if that's possible. So if I'm misspeaking, somebody can correct me when I'm done, but yeah, I would do that. Absolutely. I get Ivan Tony through the door, right? I immediately this summer, have him sit, integrate with the team. He's suspended, whatever we get, we know we're buying there, but you'll have Lukaku, Kai and Broya that can all play that role until Tony is available the key, though, is if Lukaku is not going to press the center forward and just, like, kick this guy to oblivion. Same with anybody else. They're going to have to press the center forward. That's how this manager is going to – it's not just ask. You don't do it, you're not going to play, and it's that simple. If you don't do it, the manager asks Pochettino, you're not going to play. That's that's all there is to it. So we have to – if Lukaku's willing to work his ass off, cool, let's do it. We get a, we get a striker we've already paid for. It's better than anybody in our current team at actually putting the ball in the net and that's the whole objective of the game, right? That's the whole point of why we play this game is to score one more than our opponent. So Lukaku can help us do that in an interim sense. And then maybe when Tony comes in, you have a guy that ideally is doing okay, serviceable. It's hard to do worse than anybody in our attack right now. So Lukaku has at least that like minimal floor to work with. But then I, I yeah, that's kind of where I'm at is I think that's what I would do. As far as DM, if I'm going to say who I would recruit, my I, I, I really like the Ugarte links. I really like the Romeo Lava, uh, Lavia links. I also really like the links with, if we could maybe get Declan Rice at a cheaper price, I'd be okay with that. And then I'm not really too up and up on the DM scene anymore. Um, it just seems to be something that's gone quiet. I mean, there's a lot of younger people that I'm not super familiar with and a lot of the older guys I am don't really fit the profile of what we're going for. So I, I think I would default in saying that any of those three would be a solid option, but I think that we need to choose the more traditional defensive midfielder out of the, out of the you know short list that will eventually generate. And I think that's because that skill set will much better complement Enzo and allow him to have more of this box to box role, as opposed to this deepest line, you know, midfielder role. So I think that's kind of what I expect. And, and honestly, I think that's a pretty solid lineup. It's going to be rough around the edges in games, but the key is that that squad collectively has a direction to grow with a few key reference points um, in it in more experienced players. So that's kind of where I think I would trend. Yeah, Travis, I agree with pretty much all of that. I, like 
just having read Pochettino, the book that Pochettino, I guess it was like co-written, but it was not really like, it's Pochettino basically dictating to, I think it's Julian Laurens, but I forgot the exact author. Uh, but anyways, like when you read it, he says up front, right away, the two most players on the pitch, important players on the pitch for him are the center backs. We have that covered, right? You have Fafana and Badishile, and then I don't think Caldwell's at their level yet, but he's of that same type of potential, and you have him. So, like, those are three center backs right away that you'll have. Silva is evidently going to be here. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about Silva, but he's a decent squad player at this point. Similarly with Koulibaly, like, I would be surprised if anybody's willing to pay his wages. So he's probably here too. And again, like decent enough squad player. So I think the center back room is sorted. I think the right back room is sorted. Left back room, I'm a little bit less clear on, but Joel's there. Um, I think Ukure is probably a lot better than he's shown this year. Like going to Ola's point, I think that is something to do with management and having to play three games a week. I think it was this weird combination that his body just wasn't ready for. Uh, Matson, I guess, may come back. Like the left back room is a bigger question mark to me, but not a big question mark. Whether or not you agree with it, the player Bolius said via his spending is the most important player on this team is Enzo Fernandez. So whatever you're going to do in that midfield room needs to be done to make the most out of Enzo. And like I'm just going to say, Klopp, every or Klopp, every Pochettino team I've watched, everyone has a six that drops back into the back line in, in possession. So, I mean, Rice seems to be the obvious choice for that. It doesn't sound like he's going to come here. So whoever that other midfielder is, they better be able to drop in. Um, I think McAllister would be a really good get for that role. I think that Getting McAllister and Caicedo kind of is a long-term solution if Bailey can pull it off. But they're going to need to get a midfielder that can drop in between the center backs because while Enzo can do it, as we're seeing with Lampard, it doesn't make the most out of his skill set and it puts him in compromising positions. After that, I, listen, I think the attackers are going to kind of be a roller coaster again this upcoming season. I agree with Travis, I think. Ivan Tony, if you can get him on a cut deal or even on a deal where he would have been worth last summer, right? So 50 million, like I'm probably taking it. Personally, while I actually rate Lukaku, I don't think Lukaku is going to be a fit under Poch unless Lukaku turns over a new leaf, which doesn't just happen much for 30 year olds. But if he's willing to press like hell, then Poch will play him. If not, I don't think that's a fit. But I think between Broya, Kai Havertz, I think Fafana probably gets loaned, but even Fafana and Kunku, like there's enough guys to buy eight months in that striker role, and then you can change it up once Tony gets here. So that's my position. Um, Score, what about you? What are your thoughts on the lineup next year? Well, yeah, it's really interesting. I hadn't really thought about this too much. I'm I'm still not sure who we're going to sign. I'm very clear on the positions I think we need. Uh, I I believe we do need a, a better goalkeeper, uh, a taller goalkeeper. Um, I think we, yeah, I think that's good. That's a big position. 
obviously, the number six, the defensive midfield player, like, and like you say, I completely agree with you. Pochettino wants someone who's going to sit and he's going to drop into the back, into the defence if, if needed. Um, this is why I think Trevor Chalova might stick around because he's played the six uh, over a whole season in France. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, and he's also played centre-back, been successful in a back four and a back three. He's also played right-back and been really good. I think, I'm not saying he'd be your first choice defensive midfield player whatsoever, but I'm saying you keep him around because you can play him there if you need to. And I think Pochettino will work, might even try him there in pre-season. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, so that's one to keep an eye on. Uh, but I do think we need to sign a proper defensive midfield player. Declan Rice would have been the perfect solution, but that's not going to happen now, it looks like. So, yeah, uh, Lavia, yeah, he's a he's a long-term solution. He's not going to come in and be absolutely brilliant every game straight away. He'll have good games, he'll have bad games. But you've got Angolo Kante there who can play in the pivot. Uh, and he won't he won't play every game. Um, so you can you could rotate the two, right? And again, you've got Trevor Talova who can also play there, right? So that gives Lavia time to develop. So that's an option. And I know that we like really like Lavia as well. Um, and then there's Ugarte, who I really like. Um, there's also the guy at Fulham, and I've forgotten his name. His mind's gone completely blank, who is a proper defensive midfield player. Um, not so great in like possession, but but as a kind of destroyer person who sits back, like he's in the 99th percentile for tackles and interceptions and all of that, which is what you want a DM to do. So there's, there's that guy. That I, I wish I could remember his name. I'm awful at remembering names. But um, uh, anyway, um, so yeah, there's a few options in that in that position. Up front, we definitely need a striker, and I'm not against that idea with Ivan Tony for sure. Um, I like Ivan Tony. I think he would absolutely suit us. Uh, I think he would really. Do, he's a Chelsea player. He feels like a like in terms of his his mentality, his his character, everything. Yeah, Paulinho, that's the one. Um, Paulinho at Fulham. Uh, that's the midfielder at Fulham. But uh, but yes, Tony, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, if if for some reason Pochettino doesn't want Tony, then there's other players that we've been linked with that would probably do well in a Pochettino system. Uh, so, yeah, those are the three areas we need to improve. We need to get people in from outside. Uh, obviously, you've got Nkunku coming in. Uh, Levi Cowell will come back. I I rate him very very highly. I think he's I actually think he's got one of the highest ceilings of all of our centre backs. Uh, and I think Pochettino will absolutely love him. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts the first Premier League game. Even he's uh, and you know he's had he's been playing pretty regularly for Brighton. He's been one of their best players. He was incredible against Arsenal. So. Uh, you know, but Badia Shield is excellent as well. You know, we're really lucky. Like, I love Badia Shield. He's been an excellent signing. It's like one of the smartest signings we've made. I think we paid 30 million for him, 35 million. And he is he is an absolute bargain. That's an absolutely brilliant signing. Uh, and obviously Wesley Fafana, that's another great bit of business that we've done. I really like Wesley Fafana and he and it looks like we're his destination club, which is really great. Uh, and yeah, like our defense is 
pretty much sorted. Like we don't really need, we're not going to need to touch that pretty much for a long time, right? And of course you've got Lewis Hall as well. He can play left back and is a really good left back. You know, even if Madsen ends up leaving, Lewis Hall might end up being a good left back option, right? Uh, and we know that Pochettino is brilliant at developing fullbacks and brilliant at using fullbacks. Like he's one of his specialties. Like he's got a reputation for it. I think they call him the, what the fullback whisperer. I think is one of his nicknames. Like yeah, so um, I think our fullbacks are going to have a good time under Pochettino. Uh, and the midfield, yeah, you got to Enzo's got to be given freedom to express himself, to create, to drive the ball forward, to you know, to show his best qualities. He's got to be allowed to show his best qualities because he is a world class midfielder without any question, and he will get better. So you build the midfield around him. I think. I, I think I'm one of the only people that said this, but I think I remember at Spurs, Pochettino played Deli Alley as kind of an inside forward on the right, and he was an attacking midfielder, right? And he kind of cut inside, he scored a load of goals, he created as well. Like, and I think he can, I think that's where he would want to play Mason Mount or even Conor Gallagher uh, if they were if they were here, uh, and playing Kunku in that number ten role, and then obviously Mudrick on the left. Um, I think from what I've what we've been reading, Pochettino really likes Mudrick and thinks he can develop him into a really top player and goal scorer. Uh, so, and then you obviously have the striker. So I think yeah, it's going to be a four-two-three-one. I'm really excited about about watching it, and uh, that's that's what I think he will do. Yeah. So I'm going to have to pop off in a minute, uh, but I'll let Ola talk. One thing I will say really quickly though is, just given the potential of our centre backs. And given what I said, I think we need in that other six role. If we can't find another six, it wouldn't shock me if Pochettino goes three at the back with Kowal, Badushile, Fofana. Like, there's three world-class potentials. And I know, like, people don't like three at the back. I, I don't necessarily agree, but I get it. This one, that may be the best bet. Like, depending on how the transfer window goes. That may be the best bet. As for the lineups, I have agreed. I agree with a lot of what has been said. I, unlike other people, I don't think we need a new goalkeeper. I think we're fine in the goalkeeper department. I think we're fine in the center back department. I expect James Chilwell, but actually for Fana to start, probably. I expect the uh, Enzo definitely starts. I think we likely play a four-two-three-one because that's, I think that's what our squad is most uh, fit for, most suited for. I don't know if that's the word, but yeah, I, I think we have quite a lot of players that can play in the front four. I think the way the squad is set up now, I think we likely see like a Modric left wing, a Madweke right wing, a maybe an Unkunku. As attacking midfield, but I think we do see Kai Havertz at centre forward again. If Lukaku comes back, I expect to see Lukaku there. But with the uncertainty, with the uncertainty around Lukaku, I think it's very possible that we don't see him there as much, either because he doesn't follow the manager's instructions or he insists he doesn't want to come back and wants to stay at Inter. I don't think there's any need forcing him to come back. If he wants to come back, fine. If he doesn't want to come back, there's no there's no point. But he's on a lot of money, and if we can't have him, 
we probably should sell him and free up the wages, but that will also be difficult to do. I think, uh, as far as um, center forwards go, I think Amanda Brother would be would be good. I don't think he can lead the line, as in to be a prolific goal scorer. Probably because I've not seen him do that yet, so it may be something he could do, but we've not seen that yet. I think that Rufana is more of an inside forward than a center forward. I think he probably is more of a... He, he will likely occupy the wide areas more than he would occupy the center forward position. But again, that may be just... That's going off two games I've seen. I've not watched him anywhere else. But his numbers, even at, at Mode. His numbers there also seem to suggest that he's more of an inside forward than a center forward. But again, with a 4 2 3 1, the three plus one that, that will be leading the line, they don't have to, they don't need to have set rules as long as they communicate well with each other and have good technical ability. I think they'll be fine. I think that's actually what we can be encouraged about concerning this squad is that they, if they play enough times together, they will develop chemistry and because they are good players, they will be fine. They will score goals, they will win games. The, the time required for that is where many people will be disillusioned. We don't know how many games they need. We, we know that they need some games together. We don't know how many games it will be. It may be a whole season. But they have to, which is why Pochettino has to select this. He has to select a lineup quickly and, and go with it. I'm not saying he should select his 11 players and bin the rest, but he needs to be sure who he wants to play in most games. He needs to be sure who he wants to start in most games because that's to determine how his lineup is selected, when he wants to rest players, chemistry, and a lot of other things. I think under Tuku, our forwards did not have that much chemistry. I I think he was always chopping and changing. And many people say it's because the forwards were not scoring enough and they were not good enough. And I don't think that's particularly true. Yes, we didn't, our forwards didn't score as much as, as they should have, probably under Tuku. But I think Tuku also did not help them in that aspect. But with Pochettino, I think, yeah. It's it's easy to predict his lineup, considering the players that we have and the players that are linked with a move away from the club. Ziyech Pulisic, if those guys are gone, if Joao Felix returns on his loan, you know, we, suddenly we don't have that many players in the in the four in the front lines anymore. And I think setting players this summer will be just as important as any other thing we do, because we can't keep stringing along. 10, 15 players that we don't plan to use regularly, it will not help them because they they will be stagnating as players. It won't help us because we'll just keep them around on the wage bill and it, it doesn't help us. I think we can get money for players. We probably should. I think we can get money for players. We should. So, yeah. Yeah, good points. Good points. Uh, definitely, yeah. We do need to get rid of a lot of players. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think this has been a pretty positive episode about Pochettino. I think we're all pretty positive about the long term. 
with Pochettino. Yeah. It, it will take yeah. time, obviously, to, to get where he wants to be. But I think yeah. we're I think overall the consensus is we're we're pretty positive about where Chelsea can go under Pochettino if we give him enough time. And uh yeah, so um this has been a really good episode. And um thanks to the other guys who have been here. They've gone now, but thanks to them for being here. It's been a great first episode for me as my first Yeah, I, I want to I want to thank you too, Scott, because you, your contributions have been very insightful and very fresh. And Thank you. It's good to have you on the pod. I look forward to you many too. more episodes like this. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Yeah, it's been good to hear your views as well. Um, I really appreciate everybody in this team. Where there's a lot of good people uh, with a lot of insight. So I'm um, looking forward to more podcasts with all of you guys. And um, everybody, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back with another episode really soon.